Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. I'm sorry to announce the Redcast has been placed under probation due to improper payments made to us by Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, did we win a national championship of podcasting hockey? Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. I, Odell was celebrating with us, obviously. It was a great accomplishment. Uh, I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Hey, with the exciting finale to Fanville, um, <laughs> we can now start openly pursuing Brian Bosworth for the new outside linebacker position and special teams coordinator. So can't wait to get going with that. Love it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'm just glad you could join us here, listeners, on this Tuesday night as we're recording the Redcast. And I believe the National Championship playoff game should be ending right about now. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, uh, a late night, especially on the East Coast. Um, I'm fortunate here in the Mountain Time Zone to get a bit of relief there. But uh, we did uh, crown a national champion, LSU, and Joe Burrow uh, took down the Clemson Tigers, uh, 42-25 there in the Superdome. Uh, lit up some stogies and uh, had a great celebration afterwards. We'll get into that for uh, in a, just a little bit. Um, but beforehand, let's uh, maybe tackle some some basketball. We did have uh, a couple of results this week. Uh, we're recording here on Tuesday night with uh, the Huskers uh, going down to Ohio State in Columbus. I think it was eighty to sixty eight, if I recall. They covered, and uh, which is kind of expected. We did cover. It was seventeen point spread. Good point, Mac. Uh, we really got to get this sports book going. And uh, also, uh, we we lost over the weekend to Northwestern. So, bit of a backslide there by the Huskers. Uh, tonight's uh, loss, not a surprise. Um, and we do have Indiana coming up at home, which uh, could be an opportunity to grab one more of those Big Ten wins. You know, Honky, uh, obviously last time we talked about Husker basketball, we talked about the roller coaster this season is. Uh, right now it's definitely a little bit of a dip. And that's that wasn't terribly surprising, especially in a night's performance. Uh, what you what'd you see there? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be what this season is. It's kind of the roller coaster, right? And there are moments that look good. I, I still, I watch Mac out there throwing the ball around passing, and this guy, you can see it an absolute future with him. Burke comes up big at times. Uh, there are moments where Drago, he's like a, a beast out there getting rebounds and, and putting it back up. And then they're, you know, he goes away for five minutes at a time. So that's just kind of where this team is. I think they're going to keep getting better. I think that as the season goes on, uh, you know, they're going to win a few more games that they shouldn't. And those are the things to enjoy. Just all the things we talked about a week ago. You know, Boomer, uh, Cam Mack uh, is a key to this team. And he got into foul trouble tonight. And uh, that definitely hindered uh, Nebraska's chances to make any sort of rally against Ohio State. Um, but in the Northwestern game on Saturday, we did see a dramatic comeback there. They they started off okay. Struggled during the end of the first half and into the second, but they kind of chipped away at that lead late and uh, had a shot to tie. And so uh, there was a little bit of, of silver lining out of these last two performances. Yeah, and we've seen that a couple times in some of the Nebraska losses this year. I mean, again, like we've said, it's a roller coaster kind of season. Even if you look like the Creighton game, yeah, they got blown out in the first half of that game, but they didn't quit and they kind of chipped away and made it quasi respectable and. If we wouldn't have had the, you know, the NFL Pac-12 referees in that Northwestern game, who knows how that could have finished. And then, hmm. you know, again, today they, they made it respectable, covered the spread. And that's kind of what I, we were hoping to see, I think, out of this season as a team that's not 
quitting and just giving up and going home and losing by, you know, 27 points, 30 points when they easily could, you know, because they are outclassed. They do struggle at times and against good teams. And the, the Big Ten is a really good conference this year. I don't think anyone can deny that. And it's going to be interesting going from here on out. But that's just, I think, what we need to see out of the first season of Hoiberg Ball is just let's see some grit and some interest and drive in this team and just try to get better. Yeah, a lot of lessons learned, obviously. Mac, uh, I'm proud of you. Uh, you texted us before the Northwestern game, said that you had to attend your daughter, daughter Lucy's basketball game, so you actually were DVRing it and you're going to watch later, which indicates that you're almost becoming a fan, I feel like. Uh, did you actually watch most of the game after it kind of got to a bit of a blowout there halfway through the, uh, the game? Uh, well, yes, but before I go there, I will mention Lucy dropped 10 points in her basketball game that I watched. Which is impressive because the team as a whole scored 12. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, the other team scored 28. No big deal. (laughs) You know, we're all learning. But, uh, and and then during the game, I I thought I shut up. I I text you guys, don't let me know. I shut off. I put on myself on do not disturb. And yet the Husker app comes through with a halftime score. And I'm like, Ugh. I don't know, Nicole. I, I mean, we could look, but this just does not look good. But we did go home and we watched it. And, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm obviously a Husker fan, but I, I'm not as emotionally invested with the, with the basketball team. That said, though, this team is enjoyable for me to watch. Yeah. And you can see growth mm-hmm. and you can see, like you were talking about, guys, grit. And I love the gameplay between Mac and, um, Thor. And Thor moves so good without the ball and he's, they're just, and he catches the ball that, you know, Mac is a dynamic passer, but he's also just an, a normal passer too. But when he, when he drops those really dynamic ones, Thor always catches them smooth and he'll finish at the hoop. And that's the kind of stuff that's like, that's fun to see. That's improvement. You know, we start hitting our shots. Mm. We, we give ourselves a chance and that's the fun part. And like, I feel like in any given game, we got a chance. It, we could, we could show up or we could, we could get blown out. But to me, that's, that's more fun than Nebraska basketball has been in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? Maybe we start making free throws and really change the game. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, uh, one of our good friends has uh, made the case that this has been a big ask of the Husker fan base to endure this season. And, you know, I, I don't know how big of an ask it is. I know it's uh, challenging to, to see us uh, probably have a pretty dismal win-loss record, but I do feel like we are going to compete – not only in, in all of our games, but in particular our home games, we should have a shot to compete quite well. Uh, it's going to be a tough stretch here. I don't know if you've seen the schedule going forward, guys, but after Indiana, um, we hit the meat of the schedule, and it is going to be brutal. And you're going to have to find those wins at home where you can potentially pull off an upset versus a, a Penn State or a Wisconsin or something like that because uh, anything on the road is mm-hmm. going to be really difficult and then you have some very good teams coming into PBA. So you got to find those chances to get two or three more wins here. And hey, if, if they were six and 14, weren't we six and 14 last year in the conference? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it would be that bad. Yeah. And Dave, to your point there, uh, I think it was after the Northwestern loss, home teams were 30 and five, I think, in the Big Ten at that point. So winning yeah. your games at home are, are crucial, and really for Nebraska, I'm not envisioning any away wins right now. So just like we said last week, after the Iowa win, enjoy those games when you get them. And, you know, I think if nothing else, this could be a fun team by the time we get to the conference tournament. If they're kind of hitting a stride, maybe we can get a little bit of late season magic, kind of like what we did last year, and, you know, have a couple games of fun there too. So it's first season, it's transition. We're not calling it quits or anything like that, but we're just simply saying – 
the expectations are, are what they are right now for this season, and, and I don't think they've underperformed in my mind. Yeah, let's go in a few more. I think that could start here with Indiana on the next game. You getting cold this winter? Then warm up your soul by getting your ass to Plowboys, the award-winning Kansas City barbecue that is now in Lincoln. Brisket, pulled pork, baby back ribs, barbecue nachos, burnt ends, and more. Call ahead and pick up your order or pull up a chair and pair that meal with a frothy mug of beer. You can find us located inside of Berries on 9th Street. Now delivering to your home and office. And party planners, sit back, relax, and let us cater your next event as you win over the love and respect of your friends, family, and co-workers. Feel that winter heat with a plate full of mouth-watering meat at Plowboys Championship Barbecue. Tell them the Red Cat sent you and receive a free high five. Hell yeah! It's time to sweep left. All right, fellas, let's sweep left and talk all things college football, that wide-angle view of the sport. And we did have the national championship game last night where the Bayou Bengals of Louisiana State University uh, took down the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Joe Burrow threw for 463 yards, five touchdowns, uh, just a phenomenal performance again. Um, those wide receivers make it look easy, but he sure knows how to place that ball. And uh, the LSU defense, you have to get credit for those guys, really took down Trevor Lawrence and uh, the Clemson offense. Uh, entertaining game overall. Clemson got out early. Uh, LSU did not flinch. And at the end of the night, you know, we get images of uh, Joe Burrow, who's so mature. It seems like he's uh, 35 out there, but he, he is a fifth-year senior, and that makes a difference, uh, you know, smoking cigars in the locker room. It does feel like he's a bit of a, an icon, definitely a legend down there, LSU, right, Boomer? I mean, it's uh, him and Billy Cannon now uh, as uh, the top of the LSU kind of Mount Rushmore. And uh, what do you think of the game? Well, that was an interesting game, I guess. Like it said, it was uh, good performances, I think, especially by LSU. Their defense really stood out, especially that second half. Played lights out. We talk about the ACC being down, but that was still a good Clemson team. They, they've been good for years. They're going to be good next year. So that was impressive to watch. And it was just kind of a interesting national title game for a change because it's one where I really didn't have a huge rooting interest one way or the other. Uh, typically, if I'm not rooting for somebody, I'm really, really actively rooting against somebody. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Something like that, you know, where I, where I actively hate one of the teams involved. I, I don't hate Clemson. I don't hate LSU. Uh, so it, it was kind of interesting in that aspect. And, and we did throw that question out kind of before the game just to kind of get everyone's pulse on it like what what was their favorite game that they've ever watched where you didn't have a direct rooting interest in it so obviously any of the husker games that we've all seen in the past were out we just kind of wanted to gauge the feel of the redcast fan base we got a lot of good responses to it uh you know some of them were ones you'd expect like the 2006 rose bowl with texas and usc which was yeah one of the funnest games i've watched didn't really have a rooting interest the 2007 fiesta bowl boise state oklahoma that's you know one of the funnest games i've watched too mm-hmm. Uh, just for what you know, college football was all about, just that little scrappy underdog against a big blue blood and just crazy plays all around and wedding proposals and everything. And Hockey, if I remember right, didn't you not get to see that game because you didn't have that channel, no, if I remember it, correctly? No, it was an ice storm and our satellite went out. And that was very frustrating. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah that was, that was very was. frustrating. Early satellite technology. Yeah. Well, it was snowing in space that uh, Very true. Yeah. Now, Boomer, wasn't one of the responses, wasn't it like 
uh, Cumberland, Georgia Tech from... Yeah, we, we had a few responses. <laughs> 1916 Georgia Tech Cumberland, which maybe they saw live. That was the game that famously ended 222 or so to nothing, where they just kind of gave up keeping score. Uh, you know, there were a couple other interesting responses. One was uh, from apparently one of our older reviewers. It was the 69 uh, Texas-Arkansas game, which finished 15-14, uh, to 14, which I believe President Nixon declared the game of the century back at the time. So, of course, we know that holds up since it's Nixon and all, and I think he did could be wrong. So there's that. We had some other fun responses, like uh, Utah beating Alabama in 2004. That was a fun game. I, I found that kind of a satisfying one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, there were some other interesting bowl choices, like uh, Byron Leftwich uh, beating Marshall. It was at 64-61 uh, to 61 game. I, does anyone remember what bowl that was? I think he played Eastern Carolina. I remember that. This is where he was getting carried down mm-hmm. by his offensive yeah, line. Well, yeah, he was limping around. and yeah. I, I, we, we called it the, the Nutri-Chef Food Dehydrator Patriotism Bowl because we couldn't <laughs> think of what else it was, but it's probably something like that. It was like probably that. the Motor City Bowl, wasn't it? It, was, it, it was could be or the GMAC Bowl or the... Sure. Whatever the Red Box Bowl was then, who knows? But yeah, there were a lot of fun responses to that. We had the Cheez It Bowl last year came up once, which was well, they had more interceptions and points at one point. <laughs> it's just yeah, kind of fun to see everyone's response to it. Yeah, you know, one of the, I'll, I'll take a stab at the the question. I guess I'll add one. I do remember watching uh, live the Miami Boston College game in 1984 with Doug Flutie mm-hmm. uh, with the Hail Mary. I'm uh, surprised that didn't get mentioned. Cool. I don't. I don't recall that coming up there. Did anyone else see that one come up in the list? That's that's a good. It wasn't one. posted. Yeah. yeah, that is, I remember watching that game as well, Dave. And that is from the Boston College perspective. It really didn't do much for their season. They weren't going to play for titles or anything. And one one Flutie Heisman, I suppose, maybe. But. And you know, last night, speaking of great players of all time, they announced the, the top eleven players. You know, on that ESPN list. Number one was Jim Brown, uh, Staubach was on it. Earl Campbell was on there, Red Grange, Dick Butkus, Barry Sanders. Uh, Honky made a, a good question of, you know, did he really deserve there for one amazing yes. year, but only one season, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really difficult. You know, that ESPN list very different than some other lists that we've seen out there. Um, you know, CBS had a preseason list of the all-time you know, all-American team, and I think Frazier was the starting quarterback, right? And he was like 90th yeah. on ESPN's list, right? So great uh, disparity between the rankings there. But, I mean, it's always just for – Yeah, well, that was the text I had to you guys last night about Sanders. I mean, look, Barry Sanders, I watched the guy live in, in 88 play against Nebraska. And unbelievable player, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously an incredible pro career. But does he warrant being a top-10 player of all time for one season was my only question. And I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just asking the question because you look at what Burrow just did, which was really historic at the quarterback level. Does that elevate a guy like Burrow to being a top-10 player of all time? You know, won the Heisman, won the national championship, went 15-0 and on potentially one of the greatest teams of all time. Mm. And, you know, should he be top-10 then? I wonder sometimes when you look at the entire body of work, do you need more in one year? Yeah, you could argue for Joe Burrow that he did this on a national championship team where Barry Sanders, I they probably maybe went 10-2 and two that year, mm-hmm. I want to say. They had a very good record, but it was not obviously a national title team. And so at least Burrow did it on a, on a mm-hmm. title team, right? And, but you're right. I mean, if you want to say like Barry Sanders had the single greatest <laughs> season for running back in college football history, you could easily argue that this year's uh, Joe Burrow's stats uh, would indicate it's the greatest single season for a quarterback at all, of all One time. One of the interesting things about a lot of those top 10 guys that they mentioned last night, um, I don't have every one of their uh, season stats in front of me, but like 
they weren't necessarily on national championship teams. Mm-hmm. Sanders being one of them, Gale Sayers being not one of them. Not even statistically dominant in some cases. Yeah. Jim Brown's college career was not statistically impressive, but he's on that list. Oh, it's just a very different mm-hmm. era, yeah. though, right, Mac? A lot of the list felt to me a little bit like those who were validated again in the pros kind of got on this list, mm-hmm. you know? And these lists can go on. You can always argue this yeah. stuff. It's such a good point about Joe Burrow, right? Because... Barry Sanders, it was sort of a prelude to his rest of his career. You're always going to be kind of an underachieving team, and you're going to be the best player on it. Congratulations. You know, Joe Burrow happened to be on a team that was challenging for a national championship, played at a super high level. You can't doubt the route he goes down. It'd be interesting to see how history treats this season. Man, Burrow is the strangest underdog ever. You know, to be Mr. Ohio coming out of high school isn't an underdog. Nope. To go to Ohio State isn't an underdog. Correct. To leave Ohio State and go to LSU isn't an underdog. He's still going to be treated in some ways like an underdog, and yeah. he's going to be the first pick in the draft to go to Cincinnati. And if he does anything... And that's where the magic ends, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the road stops. Where dreams go to die. <laughs> Cincinnati. Baby, if you I ever wondered... wondered. <laughs> I wondered whatever what became of me. me. Exactly. I went to go play football in Cincinnati. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Joe. I was going to have to tell him that the That's turkeys right. don't fly. Right? <laughs> Good one, Dave. Oh, man. Well, you know, I, for one, actually very mm-hmm. happy for Joe Burrow. I'm proud of Joe Burrow. I don't have any animosity towards that. This whole conversation about how he you know, could have came to Nebraska, sure. Wait, he could have come to Nebraska, Dave? Well, maybe, I suppose so. Rumor mill. Uh, mm. Sounds like he really liked Nebraska for some reason. Maybe it's his connection with his family and the fact that he was at the 2002 Rose Bowl, right? Right? I mean, just uh, crazy. But the fact is, he wouldn't have had the same season here at Nebraska or at Ohio State, probably. Everything comes together. It's, it was a perfect fit for him. I'm happy for him. And he's a legend down there in Louisiana now. And uh, that's that's something to be said, you know. And he seems to be already embracing that in some ways. Um, I still just can't get over the whole uh, cigar smoking thing. I think it was great. And it was uh, just a nice, like, a little non-PC thing. But Well, where did he get the cigar from, Dave? Yeah, I, I heard he got those cigars from... Carl Malone, or at least Carl Malone's son, K.J. Malone, who is, uh, uh, I believe, an assistant strength coach there at LSU, and Carl probably uh, passed it on to him. And so uh, I think Carl had plenty of cigars <laughs> left over because he never was able to light one himself. Yeah, so th- that cigar could have been older than Joe. <laughs> he probably bought those when he went to the Lakers, and then he's like, oh, no. <laughs> well, yo, Dave, we asked that question today on social media about does anyone think that Burrow would have had the same success? Let's say he would have stayed at Ohio State the last two years, won the starting position. You know, Would he have had the same success that he would have had at LSU? And the resounding response was no, not that he would have been bad or that Ohio State would have you know, had losing records. No one's saying that. But most people are just saying he wouldn't have had the same success, that what he did at, at LSU was just a perfect scenario, a perfect everything. And I guess if that's what we believe would have happened at Ohio State with all the NFL talent that Ohio State has yeah. and, and all of that, yeah. then Husker fans, rest assured, rest easy that we didn't have him either. He wouldn't have won Heisman's and all that coming to Nebraska either. So to your point, Dave, and I think you're absolutely right, let's be happy for the kid. It's an inspiring story of a kid that had a lot of naysayers that told him what he could and couldn't do, and he did the best way to quiet the naysayers is to work hard and overtake them. And I'll tell you what, there's about 160 guys right now at North Stadium, I hope, that have that same mentality right now and and are inspired by it. You know, Mac, from a talent evaluation and kind of an X's and O's thing, what does Joe Burrow do so well what did he do so well this year that 
allowed him to throw over 60 touchdowns and and look so spectacular? That's a great question, Dave, because I watched him last night, and I was, Honk, I was talking to you a little bit about this. He's got a – it's like he's got a – a four-leaf clover <laughs> shoved in his helmet, man, because I feel like some of his balls are just deep ball chucks that his live, wide receivers go up and get. But I do think what separates Joe is the fact that teams underestimate his athleticism and mm-hmm. his pocket presence is next level. That is one thing. His ability to slide in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield. And then, you know, this is the frustration we had with Adrian this year, and I'm not making that comparison, but that that was what I saw is when Joe decided to go, he went. And and, and he, he got he got those killer first downs where he get those, you know, they they spread out the middle of the field and he get 30 yards and slide smartly. That, his, his cerebrally he was above everybody, and physically, he has enough to compete. Mac, so. you were you're dead right on that. I think it was maybe second quarter. There was one time where he just kind of got out of the pocket, and he scrambled and got ten yards for a first down, and he had to outrun Isaiah Simmons to the out of bounds. And you could see Simmons. I mean, it was a tough play for him to make, but he kind of almost took a little bit of a wrong angle, almost in the sense that he thought, "Well, I can I can outrun this guy." Hmm. And Burrow had just enough speed to even surprise Simmons. I mean, yeah. you know, that was the thing. He is more athletic than maybe he comes off as. Well, and, and the other thing he proved last night was his toughness is unquestioned. I mean, that hit, I, I, the guy's a gamer. The guy's an absolute gamer, and, and I won't take anything away from him. And I certainly won't take anything away from him by trying to do this revisionist history and make him a Husker. That would be the biggest disservice you could do to Joe Burrow right now. I mean, he had a great 2019, and we should just applaud him, you know, yeah. and, and, and be happy for a guy with Husker blood or whatever to – to have that kind of year. He'll be a legend in LSU. I mean, I can't even think of another quarterback that had come close at this point. That's the truth. You know, it's interesting, the LSU roster makeup, Honky, I mean, there's plenty of four stars on that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, plenty of them. And you can see some of them, uh, like Chase, who's the Blitnikoff winner, right? But Justin Jefferson was like a two-star wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, two-star wide receiver, right? I mean, some of these guys weren't that highly regarded and um, still have had major contributions to that team. So that's a good lesson learned, too, in the sense that that's a, that's a championship-caliber team. That's a very confident team, though. Kirk Herbstreet and others are just, just calling. I've never seen any team so confident in themselves. LSU hoping to cap what's been a magic carpet ride of a season, supremely confident. But there's Clemson. The toughest out in college football the last couple of years trying to reach the Mount Rushmore of college dynasties with a win tonight. That would be a dynasty if Clemson were able to cap off the 2019 season with a win tonight. Three of the last four. That's as good as you're going to see in the modern era of college football. And how about LSU? What a story that they've been, especially their offense. Most prolific offense I've maybe ever seen. And it won't be remembered unless they win tonight. So a lot at stake for both these teams. I think they really embodied their coach. You got to give Coach O mm-hmm. a lot of credit there on on how he prepared that team. Obviously, the passing game uh, evolved immensely in just one year, and the inclusion of Joe Brady made a big difference there. And and so you, you never know what can happen in a offensive system in one year to really make everything come together. Well, here's something that I think Nebraska fans also can appreciate. I don't care if it was 25 years ago or not. If your team, if you are a fan of a team where you've seen similar traits, then you have an appreciation for it. So we can appreciate what else you just did. It, to your point there, Dave, about you know how they just – it was a magical year. Everything came together. They were so confident. Well, that looked a lot to me like what the 95 team looked to us. It was a confident bunch. It's also a weird kind of revisionist kind of history to try to like, well, how would 95 Nebraska do against LSU this year? 
well, not very well right now because all these guys are 45 years old. But, you know, trying to match those two teams up, I don't know. What I know is that 95 team was confident every time they went out there. They were physical. They could beat anybody. And I'll take Osborne in a mind game and in a coaching matchup against anybody. I have so much respect. By today's rules, though, we'd never make it. We'd have so many penalties. That's the funny thing, too. so many. Well, we have to play by 1904 Uh, rules if I get my There's just no way the black shirts don't. (laughs) Yeah, it depends on how you play the rules. I agree, Mac. Yeah, but at Taki's point, I also think that from a coaching perspective, we would have tried to run the ball until we just couldn't run it, right? I mean, I I feel like we would have forced that issue, and that would have changed the – the game immensely because you're not giving LSU as many chances, right? And uh, Clemson definitely didn't do that. They did not run the ball effectively and didn't really try. And that's the difference in today's game opposed to 1995. And honestly, in some Big Ten teams still take that approach. We're going to continue to run the ball uh, no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, hockey, I mean, do you, I mean, obviously you're right. You can't argue or you can't argue either way, right? 95, Nebraska, 2019 LSU, 2001 Miami, there's other teams you can throw in there. But you you do feel like this LSU team, as we look back at it in five or ten years, will go down as one of the greatest teams of all time? Yeah, I think that they definitely are right up there. It's not, I don't really care who's number one necessarily because, of course, it's Nebraska 95 followed by 71. Um, but besides correct. that, that is it, correct. it's not really a matter about the order after those two. It's just the fact that you know greatness when you see it. And that was a great team. That was an all-time great team that we watched last night. I think that is the takeaway because every year, not just since the college football playoff started, but since the beginning of the BCS, every year we try to crown the next national champion as the greatest team ever. And that's just BS. Most years it's not. Mm. I truly believe this year is one of those teams that will rank up there and will be talked about for many, many, many years to come. They checked a lot of boxes for those all-time team conversations, right? Yeah. The scoring margin was was wide, and they kind of dominated throughout the year. They had a record-setting quarterback who won the Heisman and be the first overall pick. They're going to have talent on defense that goes on. So they check a lot of yeah. boxes. Look at their schedule. I mean, they, they had to play the crossover against Georgia. Uh, yeah. Hint, hint. Alabama, you barely have to do that. I think next year, Bama actually does. I think they play Alabama in 2042, <laughs> so let's be but, fair. You know, LSU plays Georgia in the crossover, and then to absolutely their credit, we always give the SEC a bunch of garbage for not playing tough non-conference games, but they played at Texas. Now, Texas didn't end up being, you know, the greatest Texas team, but who cares? They still went yeah. into Austin, yep. and then to finish the season playing at Bama to beat Georgia, to beat Oklahoma badly to beat Clemson. I mean, come they on. They didn't that's... duck anybody. They, they didn't. It, it's not an easy yeah. route. It, it took Florida fair, down, too. Yeah. yeah. Fair path. I mean, they, oh they deserve they the had, accolades. They had Georgia and Florida from the other side. They always have Florida. It's it's their, it's their designated crossover. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I guess the one thing that would that would keep me from maybe saying they're the greatest team of all time were, yeah, they played these great opponents, but they did have really close games because that game against Texas was, what, a seven-point game, if I remember right? Yes. And Texas, they were within the five twice, and they came in with no points. So that was a game they could have could have lost quite mm-hmm. realistically. They beat Auburn by, I think it was three, and Alabama by five. So... Yeah, they played tough games, and they won those games to their mm-hmm. credit, which is one of the reasons they are one of the best teams ever. But they had chances, and, you know, one play goes a different way, they lose a couple of those games. You know, the 95 Husker team, that And, Boomer, happened, I'm glad you bring so. that up, too, because I know that sounds nitpicky, 
But if we are literally talking about who's the greatest team of all time, right. you yeah. can get nitpicky. And that's my yeah. point, it, too. You're allowed to get... Yeah. yeah, you have to get nitpicky because, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. There's no other way to do it. I apply that same standard to the 2001 Miami team. They're a great team, loaded with talent. They had that real close game against Virginia, was, Tech. Uh, with Virginia Tech, I believe. Yeah, and they probably legit could have lost that game. And that's why I would always put, say, the 95 Huskers ahead of them because they didn't come close to losing to anybody, ever, you know, no matter how good they were ranked. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, a bit I, of homerism there to it, I suppose. I, I disagree. It seems reasonable. You're going to have to apply <laughs> some sort of standards, and that's part of it. So LSU's margin of victory, I heard, was like 21 points this year. So that's still pretty good, even with those close games. Oh, it's good. But, you know, some of that is inflated because they played like Georgia Southern and won by like 50-something. Well, it's too bad LSU's in the SEC. I actually you know, like Northwestern them. State by 50, you know. so Brett Ciancio with Pick 6 Previews, we got to get him back on again in the, in the offseason. He put out a couple posts comparing the dynasty of Nebraska, mm-hmm. 94 to 97, basically, to the dynasty of Alabama, which he defined as like 09 to 12, I think. And then the dynasty that was going to be potentially Clemson that had they won last night. And Nebraska, 95, in all cases, had much bigger margin of victories versus top 10, more wins against top 10, more wins versus top 25. All the things, if you put them head to head, and the reality is, again, it's it's a weird discussion because, I mean. That's Yazzie. He's got no, his head on his shoulders, though, man. He's he, sharp as a whip. Yeah, I, I just, I got to tell you, I like the guy. <laughs> we like, uh, we're not saying that just because he likes Nebraska. He's, yeah, he's all over. We love you, Brett. It's immaterial. I like it. <laughs> he brings a valid argument to the conversation. One of the arguments typically for the 95 team is how many teams we beat in the final AP poll, right, Honky? And to LSU's credit this year, they did beat, I think, five uh, teams in the final 10. I mean, they did beat seven in the preseason, but who cares about the preseason top 25? They beat uh, five of the final AP 10 teams, I believe. And it's kind of set up that way at this point now, because if you're going to play a conference championship game and a semifinal and then a title game, you get three right there practically. Yeah, Nebraska beat four. And part of Nebraska's issue in 95 is that the four that we beat that were top 10, Kansas, K-State, Colorado, and Florida – by today's it's standards, Kansas. it just doesn't sound good. Well, that it was Kansas. No, it was a top 10 legitimate Kansas team. That was team. a very good Kansas team. Yeah, yeah, that was a good Kansas team. It was a we'll very good that, Kansas yeah. State team. But those names don't resonate the same way as, well, we beat Oklahoma. Even if this wasn't a great Oklahoma team. Although in 95, I, Oklahoma. You know, mm. No, no, no. I'm talking about this no, year you know, with, with uh, LSU. They beat Oklahoma. They beat Georgia. They beat all these teams. Sure, they weren't blue bloods. That's right. That's the whole thing right there. That's the value of Blue Bloods, right? That's the value of being the SEC, and you get to say these teams are really good and we don't really know, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we we did see Minnesota maul Auburn in a bowl game, essentially. So, yeah, there is truth to that. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk a little bit about Big Ten football for a second. Dirk had an article today, Dave, and we want to talk about great teams and teams coming back. Look at the top 15 in this final poll Five of those top 15 are teams that we are going to be playing next year at the very end of the season, our last five games. Three of them on the road, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, Beautiful. at home against Penn State and Minnesota. No way this goes awry. <laughs> so we've talked about in the past for next year how important getting off to a good start is in that the, the first seven games, five of them at home, two of them on the road, no Power 5 non-conference games, although Cincinnati could end up being as good as any non-conference team we've played in the last few years at least. But still, if we look at, we're going to start off great. We're going to start off 6-1 at worst, 7-0, 6-1, right? Even if we did that, got bowl eligible seven games into the season, Mm. 
the last five games, we're looking at teams that all finished in the top 15 this year. So what you're saying is we'll see the, the freshmen the first <laughs> seven games, and then that, that four-game redshirt rule will be fully in effect by then. Well, gonna... those freshmen will be playing like seniors by the end, Mac, and, and those last five teams better be, better be careful. Goodness. We may need them. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cincinnati I've seen as high as 17 in a preseason poll already, so that's going to be a, a difficult non-conference game even though it is at home. I, I, I had the expectation that Fickle was going to go somewhere, you know. I think he had a great season there, and I thought he might try to, to make the jump, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's happening, so... Uh, seems like uh, Cincy could be well positioned to uh, contend for a, a New Year's Six Bowl next year, and uh, we'd be a big prize on that schedule for them. Well, actually, that's the highest that they are listed that I see is number 16 in the USA Today poll that came out, that they're way too early preseason poll. Mm-hmm. And to your point there, David, that is exactly what it says. The Bearcats have an opportunity to make a statement against Nebraska in late September and draw Memphis at home in conference play. To that point, this schedule for Nebraska next year between having number 16 Cincinnati there and then the, that last five, there's plenty of roadblocks in there, right? Sure. But I think still, let's let's use the Joe Burrow approach for a second here. Everyone's going to tell you how, how bad you are and how, how much you can't play at this level and all those things. I hope all of our players are listening to every bit of that. And I hope they say nothing. Don't talk. This offseason, we don't need talk or hype from any players. We just I'm sure Monday practices will be fantastic. <laughs> but here's my <laughs> thought on this, is that – I know we don't want to hear hype because I see I sense that already. We'll post something on social media, and it's not we're not even hyping. I'm just literally I post a thing that says Nebraska in this USA Today preseason poll was listed as one of the next teams out. So we didn't make the top 25, but we're in the next group out, which included Minnesota in that exact same group. And I just post that. I'm not trying to say yay, go big red or anything. And we have people, oh, stop the hype. No, don't hype it up. I'm like, I'm not hyping. I'm literally just reporting what has already been reported, right? You're part of the machine, man. Yeah, I know. We're just we're part of the machine. And so my my thing here is is that it is okay right now to not want to overhype things, and yet you can still be optimistic. The whole world around Husker football, if you're a Husker fan, hasn't fallen. We're, we're not doomed next year to go 4-8 again. There are plenty of very good things that – you know, if they come together, we could have a very good season next year, and I'm not throwing out what that record or anything looks like, but but believe me, we 12-0. can. <laughs> Just say it. I'm not You're putting any. Pick 12-0. <laughs> you have to wait. Know. You have to wait till August for that. But right now, it's too easy to jump on the opposite of the hype train. It's too easy right now to like, oh, we're just doomed. Everything's doomed. And the second you say, oh, I think this guy might be a good player next year. No, he's not. Oh, the, this guy could be a really prove good. Prove it, yeah. yeah. This guy could be a really good receiver yeah. next year. No, yeah, prove it. I don't want to hear about it. Okay, well, you know what? I think this team, if they do the right things, third off season, all that kind of stuff, I, I think that we can have a very good start to the year in those first seven games. And I'll be very interested to see where Nebraska's at going into those last five. If we are successful in the first seven, if, if we start out four and zero, the hype will be unreal. It'll immediately it'll ramp back up. Where's we? But it we doesn't beat, matter. We beat Cincinnati. And, and I say this knowing full well that I was burned last year. I was emotionally hurt. <laughs> you know, I felt betrayed by my own senses. You know, I can't trust me. And I still, if we go 4-0, and I'll start predicting pretty big things. You know, Mac, you know, you, you talked a lot about, like, not being small this year while mm-hmm. we were losing four games in a row and those type of things. And, and uh, it feels like what Honky's describing is a fan base 
who's you know scared to think big. Obviously, uh, they are being small in some ways. It, it's it's curious to me in the sense that it feels like I don't know if that's just uh, this year or it's it's we've hit some some weird tipping point on on the Nebraska fan base in the sense of that we've you know after three losing seasons it, it's tough to stay positive at times. It is concerning, I guess, to me in the sense of like. What's the fun of being that negative? I mean, like, I love being a fan because it's fun. Yeah. I really enjoy just like thinking positively about how, you know, hey, next year, you know, could be the year. Mm-hmm. And apparently other fans now, a, a lot of them, to Honky's point, um, don't even want to hear about positivity towards next year. Like somehow they, do they, are they enjoying being negative? I don't, I don't quite understand how that works as a fan, I guess. I think it's a combination of a couple things. The first one being, I do not recall an offseason where the outside, and I'm, when I say outside, I mean outside of Nebraska borders, were so high on the Huskers. You Last know? offseason. Right. I, I don't recall a season, a preseason, offseason, that everybody was telling us, like, oh, man, this is a team to watch. Dark Horse, you know, Frost has got them on track and everything like that. So we were in a weird position emotionally you know like do we buy into this because i felt like going into the season our expectations were you know in the eight to nine range and i still feel like last year we were totally capable of that the other component to that is i think it's a jinx thing i'm like i feel like if if we go too heavy on this you know bravado that we feel like we're going to get burned again and iowa is going to be able to trash us on social media again and that hurts you know it's it's frankly embarrassing to have a hawkeye diss you and you have to eat it so it's it's that combination of stuff where like I'm, this is what i'm saying if we win four games in a row it's going to change and and we'll get cocky and it'll be you know it'll be just right where it needs to be i'm not saying be small husker fans i really don't think that way but i think when we talk about you know husker fans saying i don't want to hear that i feel like they're almost saying that more to the national side to the to the big team network don't tell me about how good we're going to yeah. be i'll make my own assessment of how good we're going to be i'll have my own expectations you know well i don't want outsiders to tell me how good or bad we're going to be right Correct. and to that point you know the off season is all about recharging the batteries and there are a number of fans out there uh, maybe don't listen to us this week or next week. Take a couple of weeks off from listening to a lot of things. Take a couple of weeks off from reading things. Recharge your batteries. It's, that is okay. This was a rough season for fans. But the one thing that, that I've stayed steadfast on all throughout is that I know we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I know Frost is doing the right things. Those are the things that give me confidence in the long term. It, it just didn't come out last year in some victories. And we've talked about how razor thin you know the difference between 9-3 and three and 3-9 three and nine a year ago was. But certainly true. This is the one thing I, I, I will promise this offseason, Mac, is you and I are going to a coach's clinic here in a couple months and get a watch of practice and all that good stuff. I promise I will I'm gonna use my eyes more than my, my heart, I guess is what I'd mm. say. I wanna see something first. And that's okay. There's maybe sometimes in the past I'd make an assumption that this guy is just gonna get better through time, but I, I do wanna see more things this mm-hmm. time. And so if I say that this guy made a great catch, it's going to be because he made a great catch, not because I think he can make a great catch or I think he can do something. Right. It's going to be I want to see it. Yep. Uh, to that point, I guess, I mean, if, if that's something I've, I've learned from the experience of the last 12 months, fine. But the point is recharge. The offseason's all about that. We're going to get away from football here. We've got a couple more weeks of NFL. But once we get past that, you get some chances just to kind of, you know, yep. get see it in the rearview mirror, recharge. And come back, and, and we're doing the right things. We got the right staff. If, if yeah, if we're if we're trusting the process, I'm not going to go into a, you know, by the time the first kickoff happens, 
I've been waiting so long for college football to happen. I'm not going into a negative and thinking we can't yeah. win any games and this is going to be a disappointment. Oh, man. Hashtag trust the process. Jeez. <laughs> Swimming in it. <laughs> yeah, no one likes a long rebuild, right, guys? That's the truth. Hey, uh, Boomer, I-, I wanted to get back to you really quick on uh, the greatest teams of all time. I-, I wanted to hear your take on, you know, 2019 LSU versus, like, I don't know, 1904 Yale or. <laughs> 1909 Washington Huskies team, those type of stuff. You know, I mean, you had any any of uh, those teams back there that uh, would take down the Tigers? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question, Dave. And it, it's kind of like we mentioned with the 95 team. What rules are we playing by? I mean, if we can put the 1902 Husker squad up against, you know, this this Yale Tigers bunch playing under 1902 rules where, hey, Joe Burrow, you can't pass. Good luck, <laughs> you know. That's going to be a lot different, I think. So it, it, and that's part of the fun of these discussions is – and why it's so hard to compare and actually say this is the greatest team of all time. There's so many things you can't control. The game changes so much from year to year, decade to decade. And that's why sports is fun, college football is fun, because we can sit here and argue this stuff till we're blue in the face, even though we're always going to be right here on the podcast, because our our, our opinions are backed up by data and science, if you will. So. <laughs> yes, of course. But, uh, of course. So, j- j- just trust us, listeners. So whatever we say is gold. Go with that. Gold, I tell you. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, bring it back a little bit closer to home and just talk a little bit about uh, the Husker offseason here. We are uh, in early January. Classes have started. Uh, Our early enrollees have arrived on campus and I suppose have started uh, offseason conditioning, Mm -hmm. right, Mac? Uh, We have nine players in. Is that right? That's correct. You know, the whole crop of them, Aura Gars put out another fantastic video on Twitter of showing these guys just, you know, kind of landing. It was always kind of cool when you see the guys from the south come up and there's a little snow in the air, some flurries in the air, <laughs> and uh, them out there and just kind of looking around. This is the new home for a while. And, and that's one of the things I like about this, this staff. Seems that when they go and get a guy not from Nebraska, from the south or from California, they're football guys. They come here to play football. Weather doesn't affect them. They're, they're here, to, to, here to ball, so... You know, we got those those guys in here early. You know, you let you let Zach get a hold of him and start molding these guys early. Blaze Gunderson, you know, after coming off a of surgery, fantastic that we get him in here and getting working with those guys. You know, Logan Smothers just adds to that kind of quarterback competition that that we all expect to have. So yeah, it's it's interesting to me when I look at you know we're in year three now and and. And I've seen I've seen the bulking phase of the of the roster. I've seen us grow the linemen. I've seen basically every position's gotten bigger. You know, if, if in year three, like, what's the, what are the tweaks? I mean, are, are we starting to get leaner? Are we starting to get faster? Is, mm-hmm. is, it, is it agility? You know, like, are, is this the year we start? Are they going to post? Are they going to post times? Are they going to post forty times? Are they going to post yeah. pro agility? I mean, are we going to get a, a you know a performance index this year? You know, that that's the kind of stuff you know. Guys, we're in year three of the Frost era. No one's seen that yet. You know, yeah. we, we know we, we, we've talked about that. It's, we've only seen year two of Frost anywhere. So this this could be. I, I, this is not hype, folks. This is this <laughs> this is just still reasonable conversation. But uh, I'm kind of excited. Well, this go, this goes back to what I said earlier. Yeah. Is that right now it's so fashionable just that everything's terrible. Well, we have Martinez coming back. Oh well, he's awful. He's not. He can't win a Heisman. He can't do this. All these things. He can't. 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 And the reality is, Dave, is that 
Well, what if we tweak that offseason workout with Martinez? What if he comes back and he is back speed-wise to where he was as a freshman? We talked about Burrow earlier. You know, can Martinez match Burrow from an athleticism standpoint? And if he can, what does that mean towards this offense if he has started to – the game has slowed down, he's, he's making the reads, and he's got the speed enough to – he doesn't have to be a burner. He doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson, but can he be Joe Burrow in terms of getting 10 yards and sliding? Yeah, I mean, size-wise, it makes it's a great comparison, right? I mean, I think it's very similar, and you could argue that in 2018, uh, Adrian Martinez was a better runner than Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. right? And so we just need to get Adrian back to that and maybe a little different off-season program and a healthy uh, Adrian Martinez can't get him back there because it does seem like the Scott Frost offense functions so much better with a running quarterback. Well, it, and it's funny because it's it, and it's just like that. And Adrian Martinez is a junior. He's going into his junior year. You know, we talked about the youth on this team and the and the young leadership, and 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 now we've got a junior quarterback with two years of starting experience. You know, mm-hmm. that that changes a team. You know, even a guy like uh, Wondell Robinson last year, who was a freshman, maybe didn't have the teeth to go ahead and say what he wanted to say. Like the the yeah. youth leadership is now turned into upperclassman leadership so who knows what kind of fruit that could bear going forward yeah and i think you're right i think the leadership uh, needs to be there this year there should be no more excuses i think from that it needs to start taking the players taking ownership Mm -hmm. of that that leadership it can't come from the coaches and uh to the opposite of adrian martinez just to make sure our listeners believe that uh make sure that we believe as a redcast that it should be an open competition i'm excited to see mccaffrey and his development as a throwing quarterback, right? We know he's fast. We know he could run. But how well can Luke actually develop his his passing skills to match uh, Adrian's and, and Noah's for that matter? Because that's where the balance is going to come out in the QB competition. Absolutely. But you did hear it first. No hype. But Martinez will be better than Burrow. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> stats, I almost promise. I almost promise. I think he's already going to beat rushing. But the, he's beating with interceptions. But um, <laughs> Mills, I, another guy. I want another guy though. I want to bring up when we're talking about off-season progression, off-season workouts, and everything. Is what does Dedrick Mills look like with a whole off-season under his belt and the confidence and everything that he gained by the the way he was playing by the end of last year? If we could have a true Ozigbo type of season and potentially even better. Okay, this is where, you know, there's a little bit of dream mode here for a second. Let's let's be optimistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, where he left off, give him an offseason, which he didn't have a year ago. He came here in the summer. And give him that offseason. And, and if he can start off with any of that momentum, I mean, we've got a guy. We have a workhorse potentially that could be that 20 to 25 carry back if the staff will let him be that. I wanted him, I wanted him to be that more than he was at the end of last season. You know, we played Wisconsin. He got 17 carries. I didn't feel like that was enough. And that's the thing that I want to see from day one next year when we're playing Cincinnati, when we're mm. playing those early games. This guy, we can't be scared to use him. No. But it's funny, too, because the ele- the evolution of this offense is, is predicated on a lot of guys, right? And, like, it's you don't want to burn one guy out. Sure. J.D. Spillman's going to improve. Your Wandell's going to improve. Mills will improve. Adrian will improve. And then we need a tight end to come in. You know, we'll have Volkleg come in. So it's like... You want to see what this evolution will look like. Now, does that come from a strength and conditioning standpoint? Does it come from a, the knowledge of the offense standpoint? Does it come from a, a smoothness of ex, you know, execution? Mm-hmm. You know, it could start with as simple as the center position. We're not breaking in a new center this sure. year. So we might not have four or five games of high snaps and, and bad timing on, on plays. So who knows what that could look like going forward? You know, people forget this. 
Jurgens didn't play much of spring, much of fall. Yep. You know, and and he come in, he came in very late, and he finally took that position over. And who knows what kind of you know ripples that had going forward. Not to mention Hunt and Legron getting kicked off right before the first wow, week. That, so that certainly didn't you know, ha- it, help. But let, let's talk two freshmen that did play last year on offense, and let's purely just talk about offseason development and, and strength and conditioning. Jurgens being one. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see, Mac? Out of Jurgens over the course of an offseason, do we need him to gain thirty pounds and be this? Nope, nope. So I mean, so what was he playing at last year? Two eighty, probably. probably. Yeah. So what do you want to see offseason with that guy coming back? I'm always concerned when you're position changing and when you're doing it, particularly in a position where you probably need to add thirty to forty pounds, right? And anything more than a ten to fifteen pound jump concerns me, especially with a guy who's had issues with with feet yes and, you know like it, and it, it looks like it's it's almost like a, a not a stress fracture but where weight becomes an issue right yeah. him making it through all of last year was a big point yep. so you add 15 pounds to him that's not going to change his game as much as the knowledge as much as the consistency of snapping as much as it is with the experience of the whole offensive line so i don't need him to jump physically that much I just need the guys around him to be steady and him to improve. And if if the snaps are good and we've got a running back who knows how the offense looks, we've got, you know, J.D. Spielman coming back, and mm-hmm. Wondell Robinson's skill, well, and that's we the, add some 6'3", six, 6'4", six, wide receivers. That's the other freshman, and Dave, I'll throw it to you, is what would you want to see from an offseason development out of Wondell? What do we need to see out of Wondell next year? And, and what role do you kind of want to see out of Wondell next year, too? That's a really interesting question. I think we got a pretty good glimpse of what we would expect from Wandell going forward. I'm sure you could put some good weight on him. He, I mean, they probably listed him at, what, 180 or something like that, and that was probably generous. So uh, you could put a little more extra muscle on him. But at that frame, I don't think you're going to want anything above 200 at max. Well, do you want him in the backfield as much to begin with anyways? No, no. You would like to think that you wouldn't have mm-hmm. to, right? I mean, I— uh, that'd be a great question to the coaches is, you know, how much did they feel like they were, they didn't have a better option essentially at, at mm-hmm. some points of the season to have Wandell back there. And you'd like to think that uh, going forward with hopefully a more developed Ramir Johnson or a healthy Tompkins or, or one of these uh, true freshmen is that Wandell um, maybe only takes five snaps back there next year, opposed to the, uh, you know, 20 or more that he did. And he's more of the wide receiver in the the true duck R position. I mean, th- that's not really a much of a, from a development standpoint, just a utilization standpoint. So, Honky, maybe just uh, walk us through a little bit here. We mentioned that we have nine early enrollees on campus now. Um, them and the other 150-some other players that are on the roster right now. What are they doing, and uh, what are they getting ready yeah, for? So this is the first week of the semester on campus. And so for the next, you know, what, seven, eight weeks, this is going to be the winter conditioning program. This is where if guys need to gain 10, 15 pounds, if guys need to lose 10, 15 pounds, this is a lot of the time where you're going to see a lot of those big gains and decreases going on. And it's all in preparation for spring ball. Mm -hmm. So spring ball, uh, we just got done with the national championship game just in time for spring ball, right, Boomer? (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, there are some schools out there, I think some of them start in late February even. Now, in Nebraska's case, we're going to start in March at some point, go for about two weeks. I don't have the exact schedule in front of me, but you go for about two weeks, then you hit spring break. They'll take a week off, and then they'll come back. Uh, first weekend of April is the coach's clinic. Oh, so that's, that eight? Yeah, I think that's right. 
Yeah, the third and the fourth. Oh, is, is that what it is? Third and so, fourth is the coaches' clinic, okay. and then spring game is. I think it was the eighteenth. I want to say. Does that sound right? Yes. So, anyways, I mean that's kind of the just the overarching schedule of what the next few months look like. Uh, that will be the beginning of the high train, by the way. Is, sure. Is once you start seeing the the off season pictures, when you start seeing the you know someone's going to squat nine hundred pounds, you know, and it's going to it'll well Nash Hutchmacher won't be here, but when he gets here, that will be yeah. And sprinkled in there is the February signing date, too. So there might be still another one or two guys that gets added into this, or there could be a grad transfer or somebody from the transfer portal that comes in. All those things can still happen over the course of the next you know, a few months. But obviously this semester, it's the, it's the beginning of the offseason, and it starts with the strength and conditioning period. Hey, Boomer, what's the uh, over-under on our spring game attendance? Is it uh, around 80,000? Are we hit that? Oh, I imagine we will. We'll probably be back on the hype train at that point to have a little time to kind of rebuild, recharge. Yeah, I do feel like the QB controversy will probably drive the spring game attendance more than anything this year, huh? Oh, I think so, yeah. If, if there's an honest-to-goodness quarterback uh, mm-hmm. race out there, and people are going to want to see who's out there. I, I think uh, people will want to see it, and let's be honest. We'll, we'll be back on it. Everything will be rolling full steam ahead. By <laughs> well, thank goodness. I, I can't wait. All right, good stuff, guys. All right. Well, uh, I think we've covered uh, a lot of our bases here tonight, uh, nationally and locally with the Huskers. Uh, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Uh, Honky, what do you got for me? Well, I have two things, and they both deal with our fan base and social media. Uh, first one was that we had to ban our first ever social media follower on I Facebook. Heard, I, I saw you talk about that. I don't know what happened. I, you know, it's... Hey, you really brought the hammer down. Well, you know what? And the guy... My mom said she was sorry. I don't know why she gets so mad. Sometimes she has some wine before bed. I don't know. (laughs) This particular guy, he wasn't even a Husker fan to begin with, so it doesn't matter. But the point was, I mean, I think between our group, and and our group extends to producer Skip and Redcast Rob and our buddy Dan. I mean, the the Redcast is a a pretty big group, and we have a lot of sense of humor. I mean, we can put up with a lot of stuff. We're terribly funny. But I'll tell you what, when you're posting derogatory stuff towards 20-year-old kids, that's just pathetic on you. And I have no issue ever banning somebody for that kind of stuff. That's 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 low-hanging fruit stupid. Yeah, so uh, I will ban you every time if you're going to sit there and and kind of pull that stuff. And and this, this guy had been doing it for a while, so... 99.9% 99.9% of you Redcasters out there are unbelievable, and we thank you so much for following us. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll gladly take people like that off. Um, one of you out there uh, took me up on the offer last week to to give us a, a five-star rating and, and give us a great review, and I want to thank Brandon LL or II or 2 or whatever it is here. But uh, he said, I like it. Gave us five. <laughs> <laughs> that was the the title, and gave us five stars, and said, "I've listened all season, and this show has done very well. Not too homer, or not too negative. I've recommended it to quite a few people, so thank you very much, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm a pretty big homer, but Your I appreciate twenty dollars is in the mail, Brandon. <laughs> thank you. Speaking of payouts, Honky, who won the uh, bull pick'em? I'm sure you. <laughs> We had a bull pick him? (laughs) Mac didn't even play. (laughs) Well, you you can't win if you don't play, Mac. Yeah, that's what the law is. Well, you wouldn't have won anyway, obviously. (laughs) I finished in the 99th percentile, so, you know, I had a pretty good run. Seems high. And you can't win if you pick my picks, so. (laughs) All right. Hey, uh, Mac, what do you got for me? Oh, um, I, I just wanted to share a story 
Uh, we were meeting with our financial advisor today, talking high finance. But anyway, I, I, I dropped a little uh, Gilbert Redcast on him, and he shared a story uh, with me with a buddy of his who went out to, um, to Boulder for the game this year. See you read out, and sometimes you just love college football. Anyway, a friend of his said that they called an Uber to the hotel they were at. And, you know, as they were waiting for him, they had other Husker gear because they were going to the game. The Uber driver pulls up, rolls the window down, looks at them all in their Husker gear, flips them off, (laughs) and then drives away. And I was like, Respect. I, 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 can co- I can totally get on board with that. That is fantastic college football right there. I mean, I, I, I was so tickled. And when he told me that, I'm like, I'm going to share that on the show tonight. I just want you to know that. So, so bravo, Colorado fans. That's how you handle those situations. S- you know, spite and, 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 and pettiness. I love it. Bring it. That Uber driver probably didn't get a lot of tips that day. <laughs> you wonder if that was his sole job. He's like, okay, see you right out. I'll do my level best to stop this. Oh, Husker fan. No. <laughs> uh, Boomer, what do you got for me? Well, I don't have a whole lot. It's uh, mostly just we're kind of at that point now. College football's wound down. We got about 60 days till March Madness kicks off. Uh, but there are other sports out there. Look at other Nebraska things. Gymnastics has kicked off. Wrestling is going. Wrestling was number two uh, in the country, right? Boomer? Yeah, they're, they're they playing. Uh, yeah, they got some great matches going on. Uh, we've got a bowling meet coming up here in February. I'm going to try to get the uh, rest of the Redcast to attend that here at uh, Hollywood Bowl. I think that'll be a great time. It's some onion rings and a pitcher of beer and cheer on the Husker Bowlers. Can you, know, you do that? Like that? That'd be so, awesome. Sounds actually. good to me. I think it'd be great. I'm kind of a so mad we do guy, that. Let's okay. just uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just reach out, enjoy the, enjoy this off season, and like we'd mentioned earlier, kind of recharge those football batteries you can put that on the back burner for a few months and it'll be april before we know it and we'll be back on the hype train and enjoying every minute of it so plenty of time just kind of pace yourselves just in and take it slow here in this off season and uh, and regroup and uh, go big red i'm looking forward to baseball i'll tell you that i'm ready all right guys great stuff enjoy the conversation Uh, until next week let's call that a go big red cat here we are